0: Slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. One of the highlights of this book, in my opinion, A Painful Case by James Joyce, up for discussion today. Let's talk about it welcome to the codex cantina where i am una
1: and i'm making a case for my argument crypto (laughs) Oh yes
0: if you are new around these parts we take some of the most important literature meaning we cover a lot of james joyce (laughs) and talk about it and what it could mean to us if you're down for a conversational approach to literature hit that subscribe button to join us
1: and as always we start off with publication information a Painful Case by James Joyce was originally written in July of 1905 and composed as A Painful Incident. Mr. Joyce allegedly had a lot of problems with this and was not happy and reworked a few times. We'll leave a link down in the description where you can read for free.
0: Yeah, I remember when I was reading his biography by Richard Elman, It was kind of confusing, like, when he would start and stop certain pieces, like, it was all over the place how he was working on Dubliners and took forever for it to get published. But we've been working with teachers, on this and we've come to the conclusion that we're gonna put together a before you read video on Dubliners. So we're gonna put a lot of our contextual information and why it's important to study this short story collection and even just a couple short stories from it is a great tool for your students. So today, let's break down perhaps one of the ways to make sense of this. And again, guys, James Joyce, you can make a 100 different interpretations out of a single short story. This is just our experience. Hopefully you can learn or take some of these tools that we're going to talk about today and apply it in your own process for when you're struggling and working through literature and applying meaning to it.
1: And one of the real quick things about reading Dubliners is that if you're pulling a specific story out, know that you don't have to read the entire thing in order to enjoy it, but it is important to kind of know where the story falls in the grand scheme of the entire book.
0: So this one is kind of... I mean, it's arguably in the middle, but it's at the tail end of mature, probably because the dead is so darn long in this collection, but it is definitely on the mature side, which is, I remember at one point had a reference for what mature meant, because for us, middle age means 40 to 60, but I think it means something different, at least in the context of when this was written, but it's meant to be kind of the middle part of your life, not at the end, not at the beginning, which is where, how the stories are structured through this.
1: And with that brings up probably one of the main things that we have as maybe a middle-aged person is that, you know, crisis of life. Um, You know, who am I without my family? And here we see this with our main character, this isolationism and this idea of what is he going to do with himself since he's all alone with Mr. Duffy.
0: So let's talk about a quick plot recap, make sure we're all on the same page, and then we'll do some of our discussion and analysis. So for plot, Mr. Duffy is a bank cashier living a separated life. One evening at a concert, he begins a casual conversation with a woman named Emily Sinico. Mrs. Sinico is married and has a daughter that appears about his age. They begin a friendly and platonic relationship after bumping into each other again. And uh, there appears to be an undercover closeness. I would say it's I want to use the word there's an intimacy, but not necessarily romantic overtones on the surface. It's it's, it's, a, it's a complicated relationship, but, you know, she's it's not married. Physical. Yeah, it's not physical at all. But she's married, but he's being friendly uh, with her, if you will, until the one day she crosses the line and touches his face tenderly. And immediately, Mr. Duffy severs their their relationship and kind of pulls out from interacting with her goes back to his hermetic lifestyle if you will so then four years later mr duffy reads a newspaper article detailing how mrs sinico had died by train <laughs> the oh, article was called so awful a painful case <laughs>
1: oh. mr duffy seems to
0: <laughs> attempt to convince himself that he was correct in his actions with breaking off their relationship And it ends with a paralysis of Mr. Duffy kind of ending up in a similar situation from which he started, but perhaps with a different feeling or outlook he had when he had kind of started the story and plot.
1: Yeah, the ending is kind of sad, right? He just wanders around town contemplating his own life, contemplating his relationship with her because it was basically the only relationship he had outside of his family as a reference to the beginning of the story, which I found kind of comical. And then he just realizes that he's going to be alone his whole life because he is alone and he didn't do anything about it End story. And it's kind of very heartbreaking.
0: It is an emotional story. Like you can really feel this story. I feel like this is this is definitely one of the highlights for the Dubliners collection for me. And it starts from the opening line. Right. Mr. James Duffy lived in Shepelzid because he wanted to live as far away as possible from the city of which he was a citizen and because he found all the other suburbs of Dublin mean, modern and pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) Setting up the isolation of Mr. Duffy. Right. We're not mincing words. With, with James Joyce, right? He's getting straight to the point, straight into the meat that he lives this separated life. And he even kind of like uses a lot of symbols and double layered meaning along the way. You know, his house, it was an old somber house, where it looked across a disused distillery, right? So the house is unused, it's isolated, in a sense, you know, across the street is a distillery, which is isolated, and unused.
1: Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny with the distillery, right? So Joyce might have thrown that in there because his father had a failed distillery, or it could be distilleries make alcohol, which is usually something that is, th- you know, given away at parties or people used to, you know, socialize with. And, of course, Mr. Duffy is anything but social. And what do a lot
0: of people take at parties? They take pictures. And his house was, room particularly, was free from pictures and uncarpeted, unadorned, barren words, empty, hermetic, Life for Mr. Duffy, right? Do we get the picture, people?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's very, very obvious that he doesn't even want himself to have any luxuries to feel any happiness whatsoever. He revels in his misery. He's almost like a uh, prehistoric Grinch.
0: Well, I wonder, too, I may even say he distracts himself, perhaps, even from his his misery, because he has this very rigid life. He's a well to do banker, so he's he's well off. He's not living this lifestyle due to lack of money. But he's very isolated and he's very regulated, much like many of the characters in this collection. They all have these shticks or these things that are really engaging, but characterize them in a way that it's it's easy to kind of see that type of person.
1: For me, I found it interesting that Joyce chose his profession as a banker and maybe something that was a little less interactive because he had to deal with people on some level being a banker. But it, can, it kind of brings me to my favorite quote of the story. He had neither companions nor friends, church nor creed. He lived his spiritual life without communion with others, visiting his relatives at Christmas and escorting to the cemetery when they died. And I know that I, I probably wasn't supposed to laugh at that, but I chuckled out <laughs> loud at that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, How miserable does this guy have to be that he only wants to see his families at holidays and when they die? And I almost felt for him a little bit. And as you said earlier, and it kind of hits home with me, is I'm close to maybe Mr. Duffy's age, right? I'm middle-aged. And I understand that. I only get to see my family at Christmas, my niece's birthday, and probably when there's a funeral or a wedding. So I can empathize with him, but he just seems to take it to such a bleak level. It's, It's heartbreaking.
0: And I think this kind of goes to the idea that there's many reasons for why we could be lonely, right? And I think Dubliners and people's inability to move forward, make change, their own paralysis is what kind of their loneliness is of their own doing in a sense, which is rather poetic, but also interesting the way we it's so easy to become lonely and this collection kind of highlights that I
1: think. So then it it all changes, right? And that's how our lives evolve in real life as well in this story is that there's some type of incident and he comes out of his shell during the concert and he makes the attempt to engage when he talks with Mrs. Sinico, right?
0: And like we said earlier, there's tons of like double layered and meanings like the bile beans and stuff like that. And it's worth pointing out when he talked about the medieval doctor possibly um, characterizing Miss Saturnine or whatever. There really was like a medieval concept that when when with melancholy, when you were really sad, when you were really lonely, that sort of thing, they really thought music and dance could cure you of this sadness, of this depression, and it was thought to be a symptom of bile problems. Right. So here, even like there's these little subtles about the bile beans and the Saturnine, and he goes to where does he come out of his shell?
1: At the, at the concert. At the or the concert. bar. The, the, right. Yeah. The pub.
0: So that's where you'll have music, that's where you'll have dancing, those sorts of things. So all little kind of little elements that James Joyce likes to play with that I think really enrich the reading experience to me. But I think what's really interesting is even some of these quotes where he had said he heard a strange impersonal voice, which he recognized as his own when he meets Mrs. Sinico. What does that mean when he hears someone's voice, Mrs. Sinico's voice, and it feels impersonal? Like, like what kind of a reflection is Mr. Duffy having on himself when he's starting to realize, oh, I am really that guy that just wants nothing to do with others, aren't I?
1: I think he's questioning if, if he does or not. I think that he's having an identity crisis here and that he is having a connection with somebody for the very first time beyond just blood family because we're forced into those relationship time, sometimes as much as you may love your brother, sister, mom, or dad you didn't get a choice in that where he's getting to make this choice to make this connection with somebody and he is unfamiliar with that and he doesn't know where to go with it. He doesn't know if he likes it or not yet either.
0: Now, here's something that's kind of interesting because there's what I thought and then I had to reevaluate this. Let me ask you this question. What is Miss Sineco's age in comparison to Mr. Duffy's?
1: See, I was putting him at like his early 20s And then the daughter is his same age, roughly. So maybe she's 18 or 19. And the father, Mr. Sineco, said, oh, it's okay that my my wife is hanging out with this guy because he's probably interested in my daughter. And I'm thinking that maybe she's in her late 30s, early 40s, somewhere around in there. So, I mean, there's definitely an age gap between these two, a significant age gap.
0: That's what I thought at first, too. And I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking this but I'm starting to reevaluate this because there's a couple of times where I would say there's this theme of things not a being as they appear. Okay? In terms of like a subjective experience of reality sort of thing where we have that quote where he says he judged her to be a year or so younger than himself and that's when he's talking about the daughter like you said. Okay, you're like, "Okay, I think I was there at first too." Where you're like, "Oh, okay, so she must be like 20 years older than him roughly." Just just total guess, right? Did you pick up on the fact that in the article, it said that she died at age 43, which means because they had broken off their communication four years prior, which means that when he met her, she was 39. Okay. And I don't, I need to find that quote about what maturity meant for what the age brackets were. But I'm thinking Mr. Duffy might be middle-aged and he's in his later thirties, mid thirties, somewhere around there. And I think what this, to me, my interpretation of this, is that maybe he was judging wrong how old the daughter was. And and in a sense, he was incorrect in his assessment, a a subjective version of truth, if you will. Because there's a couple of different times that this comes up. Because you'll notice, too, to your point earlier of Mr. Sinico, he completely dismissed it, right? Well, this was actually probably, this is the quote that made me laugh the hardest, about Mr. Sinico talking about his wife, he had dismissed his wife so sincerely from his gallery of pleasures that he did not suspect (laughs) that anyone else would take an interest in her. And this is, again, talking to kind of, I think, (laughs) that subjective experience where he's like, there's no way someone wants my wife.
1: (laughs) I'll throw in shade, man. Oh, (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's harsh. He's sleeping on the couch.
0: Joyce is a hysterical writer to me. This collection is so much fun. But it's, it's that same concept where we could be totally wrong about an experience. And to me, that, that concept was the main thing with Mr. Duffy and Mrs. Sinico. They had the same conversations with each other. They were both present for those same conversations, but it seems like they were walking away with two very different outcomes, right? Where. At least from Mister Duffy's narration or perspective, arguably is Mister Duffy the narrator? I've seen some articles out there on that. I, you know, you take your you take your pick, but it's very clear that we're kind of more getting his view of things. We never really get to open up the curtains on Mrs. Sinico, and you'll notice he's like shocked two times in this. Right, one when she, when she touches his face, he's like, "Oh, I got to break this off." Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, right, and then again. When he finds out that she had been struck by that train, that's like another shock that we as the reader experience with Mr. Sineco. And we learn both times there's this different experience happening on Mrs. Sineco side. So three different times where appearances are not as they seem in the story.
1: I think you meant Mr. Duffy, right? Because that's who we're kind of talking about here.
0: Sorry, unscripted conversation. I'll make mistakes left and right, as usual.
1: (laughs) Conversational approach to this. Yeah, I I felt the same way. I feel like that the the age thing kind of threw me to bring it back to that and kind of go through your points here. Maybe middle-aged or mature, if they're living to being 50 or 60 in Ireland at the time, he could be 25 and she... 35-ish, maybe, you know, 39, maybe he's 29 in his late 20s. Um, I don't know how much the age relevance matters because I think that for him, it's his lifestyle. It, it It's what he is acknowledging what he wants out of life. And she is forcing him by his own choice to kind of question those things. And he's not ready for it yet. And that kind of speaks to his maturity and and how maybe he hasn't matured like other people because he has kept himself so isolated
0: it reminds me a little bit of that the boarding house short story if you remember mrs mooney she took she took a cleaver to meet when it came to immorals here we have mr Duffy doing the same thing right this is how these characters are solving their problems he violently cuts off this relationship right like oh can't talk to her anymore and just completely pulls out which may have been platonic may have been romantic it may be a different experience for these two characters but to your point what maybe perhaps matters most is why and i think that can be very puzzling to me i think i took his his code like what was what was mr duffy's code and, and to me it was this line right here love between man and man is impossible because there must not be sexual or intercourse and friendship between man and woman is impossible because there must be sexual intercourse. What did you think of that line?
1: Yeah. Hmm, see, that one spoke to me, obviously, a little bit of the religious undertones here. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like that Mr. Duffy is using this as an excuse, like a lot of us do sometimes. We'll pull out things out of context to fit our own desires our own narrative or you know convince ourselves of something and i feel like the mr duffy is doing the same thing here because i think he desperately wants a relationship and he found somebody that he has a connection with and he's like oh but i I can't be just friends with her because men and women have to have a sexual relationship or they have no relationship at all and that's just not true uh and i think that he's throwing up these red flags for himself on purpose
0: it's interesting to note that this actually was a line kind of ripped out of Stanislaus, like his brother's diary, and he was later criticized by his brother, like, hey, you're writing about my relationship with women, older women. And I guess that quote right there, older women, kind of confirms that there is an age difference, perhaps, between these two. But another thing that I want to kind of point out is what Mr. Duffy chooses to read, okay? And this is going to come back full picture into this concept of of this quote here. So do you remember the author that he kind of had on his bookshelves or was reading in the beginning of this?
1: Oh, man. it Was it Nietzsche?
0: That was the second part at near, closer to the end. Oh. He started out with Williams Wordsworth. Oh, okay. Who is a romantic, but he's kind of considered not as adventurous like he he's not the traditional romantic is what i would say and, and of course writing changes over time and that sort of thing but you'll notice to your point he moved into nietzsche who i believe you you have not read is that correct
1: correct i want to uh
0: it's hard like i'm telling you i've read it and i'm not sure i fully understand it Mm-mm, no but i will say Oof. what's kind of interesting is that book thus spoke zarathustra or however you pronounce it it is broken into four parts. And you'll notice four is something that's very important to this as well. Because in that novel, he talks about, uh, we've talked about, obviously about uh, nihilism many a times, both in the context of Russia as well as America. But it's one of those things where Nietzsche was kind of like, there is no, there is no there's that phrase, God is dead. But there's that concept of we're on our own, right? There's no afterlife. We're, we're here to be supermen, quote unquote, ourselves. And uh, we kind of have to make do, ourselves we have to be our own superman if you will
1: yeah so i guess mr duffy is reading this and reflecting upon it that i don't need another person in my life to be happy i can be self-sufficient according to nietzsche
0: which another way to view that is freedom too and at what time does mr duffy set free from his job every day
1: is it four o'clock
0: it's four o'clock every day. And how many yeah. years after they break up their talk, their binding talk that would not, you know, which would, it wouldn't be the freedom that he's looking for. How many years after? And she is dies that
1: four that? years later. Yeah. She dies four years later. Mm, very subtle Whew, Joyce.
0: And in terms of like that, you know, you must be by yourself, but how many chairs does he have? four you know and again maybe chairs come in sets of four you know not that big of a deal but you do see (laughs) but it still is there (laughs) it's there it's there and as readers you have to give text its own meaning and here he is moving from this romantic misguided um, i don't want to say misguided but this romantic adventurous you know wordsworth less adventurous i guess i should say into you know, Nietzsche and, and Mr. Duffy himself goes on this type of a, an experience too, where he starts off being this, this hermit like creature goes to branch out into others and sees chains and perhaps sees kind of being tied down and realize that this isn't his freedom that he's looking for. So maybe without that context, we view him as being chained by being a hermit. He views it as being set free by that perhaps is one way to look at it.
1: And he didn't enjoy his freedom. He enjoyed his chains.
0: So a bit of a weird autobiographical element. But like they said in this story, Mr. Dovey had an autobiographical habit of kind of writing his own story. And I think that's what you have to do with literature, right? You're writing your own meaning. Sometimes authors can guide you in very specific ways. And sometimes you go off on your own. But you have to let people kind of experience that and find that. And maybe you can learn from that and not necessarily condemn or combat it but try to open up and see different ways of looking at things
1: one thing that we didn't mention and you bring it up is that he was writing his own story but he doesn't want to write his own story and in the story he literally has the papers in his desk that he doesn't write on for years mm-hmm. oh mind blown Yeah, <laughs> yeah james, i just realized that oh james joyce cool. a
0: master of writing master. and there's still there's still plenty yeah. of stuff to write right because because we didn't even talk about like the reactions of mrs sineko to the situation compared to mr duffy's we didn't talk about his reaction to the suicide there's there's still so much to explore there too because he had an inward driving reaction to it as opposed to sympathizing with oh she was lonely and driven to drinking was it because of me was was something was it because of her loneliness with mr sineko like there's still plenty of stuff to explore that in a james joyce piece you can go on for hours exploring it
1: and with a James Joyce piece, specifically in Dubliners, you have to... You don't have to, but it does help, I think, to look at the piece before and after, right? So that the two stories that, that bookend this.
0: That's right. Because right before this, in Clay, we had Maria, who was the middle-aged woman, experience who she experienced loneliness just as much as Mr. Duffy. But it was because she dove into others, taking care of others as opposed to looking for that romantic relationship. Here it's the opposite. Mr. Duffy also found loneliness... But not by driving into others, but by driving into himself. And man, is there just a ton of literature out there, too. We didn't even talk about it, but, you know, like that opening quote, the the man to man, I guess there's a ton of literature of talking about it of could Mr. Duffy have had same sex, you know, attraction and was repressing it and that sort of things. I didn't have that angle, but that just goes to speak to how many different ways you can add value to a story.
1: Wow. I didn't think about either. The layers upon layers. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. I, I love every Joyce piece that we get to read, especially from Dubliners, because there's so much to it and you can have so many interpretations and there's usually something for everybody.
0: Yeah. So guys, we're going to leave a link down below where you can check out our other James Joyce Dubliners talks. We're going to be pumping out that before you read Dubliners, which I think is, again, going to add a lot of context so that we can kind of get into a little bit more of the meat of these stories as we go through them. So if you are looking for ratings, let's do those real quick. I mean, it's kind of a joke. It's either an eight or above for James Joyce, right? This one, for me, I'm going to go with 9.5. I'm
1: going to go a little bit lower, and I think I'm going to go a nine on this one uh, just because I don't. It, it hit on a lot of levels and I shouldn't compare it to others in the book, but how can you not when the book is, I think meant to kind of be compared against itself? I I don't know. Maybe that's not fair, but a nine out of 10, I don't think that you're ever going to read a bad story in Dubliners.
0: No, no, you're not. Cover to cover.
1: It's fantastic.
0: No, you're not going to read a bad story. It's a labyrinth of adventures and reading to do can't go wrong guys we post videos every monday and thursday and are going to continue our journey through the rest of this collection hit that subscribe button to join us una out
1: peace